Hey everyone, as you may or may not be aware, uh, we lost some of our recording this past Wednesday for Public Beta Podcast. Reed lost the majority of his recording, so at the point where I start talking about Hypnospace Outlaw, Reed drops out at some point. I've edited together uh, the rest of that segment and the news, which basically just sounds like me giving a news report and occasionally referencing something that wasn't there. Uh, And then when we get back to Cyberpunk, we have re-recorded that bit as of today, uh, and Reed will pop back into the podcast. So if it sounds a little weird for a bit there during the news... That's why, and uh, enjoy the show. Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. Here we are living in the future. Hindsight's 2020, baby. Your host this week, uh, myself, Leanne Reed. Hello. Hey, Christos Rosdayasha Reed. It is Ukrainian Christmas Eve. Oh. Does that mean anything to you? Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas to myself. Um, yeah, man. I think mom's got the, uh, the old care package ready to go. She's been cooking up a storm today, so... Going to uh, swing by for a, for a curbside pickup, so to speak. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to talking about video games. We are going to delegate. Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh, relegate? Relegate. Uh, this cyberpunk conversation to the end of the episode here uh, into like a 20 minute block. Uh, just so we can cover some of the other video game stuff going on. Reed, what have you been playing outside of cyberpunk? Uh, I've been playing some Age of Mythology with my buddies online, um, which has been... So that was something that you guys... Is that something you do regularly? Yeah, I'd say... Yeah, I would say every few months or so we pick it back up and start playing again. Like, my best friend, um, he's like a COD NHL console player. Um, but you wouldn't know it looking at him or... You're saying that in such, like, a derogatory way. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, you wouldn't know it looking at him, but he's actually, like, intensely into RTSs. He's, like, a platinum-level StarCraft II player. Um, he Does he re- fuck with MOBAs? Uh, no. Well, we play Smite together. Um, he doesn't play, regu- He doesn't play like, League of Legends or Dota or any of that shit. Uh, he's super into Anno 1800, which, if you know anything about that, it's, like, one of the most intense, intrusive... One of the finest sex toys on the market. Uh, yeah, long... Um, <laughs> Uh, cities building simulators and generation simulators. He's really into Civ and stuff like that. Um, so he'll oh, will wow. co- coax me into some RTSs every once in a while, which I'm happy to oblige because I do like them a lot. Age you of Mythology. You ever fuck with the newer Civs, like Civ Six and stuff like no, that? Or no, no, not really. Not yeah. my not my thing. Typically, I like I like the the attacking and tactical aspect of a of a classic RTS. So we've been playing <laughs> we've been playing Age of Mythology since we were literal children. Um, so to have it on Steam when we're older now, and, like, four of us can play it with each other, it's a good fucking time. Oh, is that the new, like, HD remaster or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just called, like, Definitive Edition. It costs, like, fucking 20 bucks, and it has all the shit on there. It's fine. If you call something Definitive Edition, you can charge at least $20 for it. That is is the rules. And then besides that, (laughs) I've, uh, once again picked up one of my favorite games of all time, a game I keep telling Lee to play, so maybe we can one day do a spotlight on it, and that is Knights of the Old Republic 2. Okay. Okay. I thought Cookies and Cream for the PS2, but here we are. AKA Uh, uh, KOTAR 2, one of uh, the best written games, in my opinion. Uh, And I say this with no hyperbole. Hyperbole? 
Hyperbole? Hyperbole. Hyperbole. Thank you. Uh, I seem to know hyperbole when I think that this is the best written piece of Star Wars media, period. Movies, books, comics, video games. I think KOTAR 2 is... (laughs) How would you... Like, what else... You know, other than the novels, which obviously I didn't get too, too deep on in my time reading the Expanded Universe. But, yeah, hard to argue with that, I think. Uh, Yeah, it's just... It's fu- what a fantastic fucking game with such interesting characters, and not only that, it's it's like, it's it, it's taking the classic Star Wars plot and it's really looking at itself and saying this is why this is fucking stupid and this is why this is stupid, but also this view is stupid. Everything is stupid. Um, so, like, so my problem with Star Wars is I, anything to do with the Jedi, no matter how well written it is. I just find uninteresting. They're they're wholly uninteresting to me. Uh, the the fact that like oh no, but this game points out how fucking stupid they are to me is just like yeah, but we're still talking about them. Oh uh, yeah, I like. There's definitely that in the game. You're definitely talking to Jedi and all that stuff. It has a lot more to do with Sith, in my opinion. There's a reason why the subtitle is called the Sith Lords, um, yeah. which I think are have always been the most interesting aspect of Star Wars, in my opinion. Not movies. If you do any, no. hell, you, hell no. <laughs> if you do any quick research into, like, I guess it's called the Legends content now, um, but the history of the Sith and just all their leaders over the years are really fascinating, in my opinion. Um, the Darth Bane yeah. trilogy comes to mind as a really interesting book of a character who grows up, essentially. Sorry, sorry, not grows up, but it gets trained in the Sith Academy and all this other stuff. It's really interesting. Uh, Kotar 2, what makes it so cool, though, is that. Uh, if you hate Jedi and Sith, well, guess what? There's, like, two Sith, and there's, like, fucking four Jedi left in the entire galaxy. Um, and, yeah, it's just really it's really cool to have a character like Kreia, um, who really... Like, I don't want to give away any spoilers, just in case anybody goes and plays this fucking game. Um, game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's really interesting. She has a lot of unique views of the Force, of uh, people in the galaxy... And uh, just a really interesting game. I urge anybody to go play it. If you're going to play it, though, pick it up on Steam. Um, the game's meant to be played with a keyboard and mouse, in my opinion. It's really difficult to maneuver with a controller. But most importantly... So what's the deal? Because they released this game... Uh, they re-released it on, like, uh, iPads and stuff. Like, the, the Steam version is the original PC version. It's not, no, like, it, some kind of It's port. the original PC version in that it's incomplete and everything. Uh, just yeah. like the iPad and iPhone one is also incomplete. Um, I think that's the, backwards compatible on Xbox. You could, like, pop an Xbox version yeah, of that. Yeah, it's into, really like, fucking yeah. bad. I tried that. It's really bad. <laughs> Um, right, the definitive version of this is on PC, in my opinion, especially because on Steam you can get the content restoration mod, which was uh, painstakingly created by fans of the game who restored a lot of hidden content or cut content from the game using its files to really fill out the experience. Uh, KOTAR 2 is definitely a game similar to Cyberpunk in that I think it's fucking fantastic. And especially for KOTAR 2, not Cyberpunk, I think it's a masterpiece, but... There is a lot of cut content. Uh, there is a lot of stuff missing from the game that really drags it down, unfortunately. The content restoration mod really alleviates some of these issues. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. 
What's the, uh, you can play Warzone? What's the state of the Black Ops stuff they added to it? Yeah, it's like, it's literally just, here's your Modern Warfare weapons and here's your Black Ops weapons. Uh, <laughs> which is what we, which is what I kept saying it was going to be. And you're like, nah, man, they're gonna, they're gonna change that shit. The numbers, Mason, and <laughs> like that. I don't, like, I never said yeah. they're going to change it. I said, I think it'd be fucking stupid if. So you've got like a full auto FAMAS or whatever, and then some other guys using right. like, some kind of Grand or something. Yeah, shit. yeah, like, it's a bit. <laughs> Uh, it's a bit jarring in that case. Like, thankfully, they're doing Cold War, so it's a little bit past, like, Black Ops. So, I don't know. It's a bit fucking stupid. Whatever. Who gives a shit? It's Call of Duty. Fair. Uh, I've mostly been playing, of course, Cyberpunk 2077. I platinum that Persona 3 dancing game. Damn. And uh, shout out to the trophies on that uh, in that game, because they were mostly just, like, fucking with you. Like, there's a bunch of them that are just like, hey, start a song with, with these support multipliers on, or, or, or these challenges on. And it really, with, with what is, I thought, a pretty rote uh, rhythm game that I kind of knew back to front, it was introducing all these, like, because I played uh, the fourth one, I played the fifth, and was going to go platinum that one too, and then I, for some reason, tossed in the, the Persona 3 game at some point. I got the, uh, the All Night Edition that came with all three of them, or whatever, so... Uh, yeah, there, there's some neat stuff in there. There's, there's one where the notes, like, waver, and then there's also a way to make the notes invisible, which I don't know what fucking masochist is playing a rhythm game where they can't see the notes, um, <laughs> but if you're able to actually complete songs with these challenges on, it gives you, like, an insane score boost, so you're basically adding weights, uh, to your, to yourself, so to speak, and, but if you are able to then... Uh, actually complete the level you'll get the highest score possible and like i, I haven't really taken a look at the, the leaderboards and or, or videos of this game to see if there are actual people on the high end of it that can, can can do this shit uh because even on like regular you know with supports and stuff like that the all-night difficulty in this game is is not to be fucked with it's it's a game of bop it uh like a finger twister that that you are not ready for they add an element in the in the last difficulty of this game where um Basically, if you don't know what the Persona dancing games are, uh, you have two, let's say, crescent moons on either side. They have three buttons on them, and then you have a scratch button, which is either flicking the stick, or you can map it to one of the shoulder buttons. Uh, notes come out of the center of the screen, which usually shows, of course, the characters dancing, and they go to the outer edge of this ring. Uh, there are three buttons or nodes on these outside things, and they represent up, left, and down on the left, and triangle, circle, and X on the right. And then you are just hitting notes as they cross over those nodes. Uh, there can also be, like, double notes where you have to push both at the same time. There's hold notes, obviously. Uh, when you get to the all-night all night difficulty, they make the hold notes on opposite buttons. Uh, from Like, it's not symmetrical anymore, and it's like you're retraining your brain, and then going back to easy mode becomes difficult. It's it's excellent. Highly recommend the Persona Dancing games if you like the, uh, the Project Diva stuff. It's very similar. And then Hypnospace Outlaw, which is not a new game... Uh, it's been a game that's been out for a while. You can grab it on Steam and I'm sure a bunch of other places. I think it's on console now, which I can't wholly recommend. Because this is a game... It's an adventure game where you're playing someone who is working on a computer. So having a keyboard <laughs> and a mouse uh, seems imperative uh, to your enjoyment of this game. Although it is a point-and-click game. You, you could technically play this on Xbox or whatever the fuck. Um, Hypnospace Outlaw is based around a concept. Uh, it's set... It's The game starts in 1999. Uh, so it's like Web 1.0, it's it's the dawn of the new millennium, um, and Hypnospace is a band, a computer, that goes around your head, and it is a s surfable, 
web interface that you use while you're sleeping. And the game doesn't really go into that uh, so much at first. Uh, that's just some, some cool flavor on the backside. This is not like regular internet. This is an internet you jack into when you're sleeping and has all the amenities of the internet that we remember from the time. Uh, having your own pages, uh, message boards, different zones, uh, ads, viruses, uh, pop-up ads, all that crazy bullshit is done so fucking good in this game. They just did a huge update that added a ton of pages to the game. So the way the game is kind of structured is literally, uh, you are an enforcer, you're an internet cop, you're clicking around on these pages and you're finding infringements on copyrights, you're finding harassment, you're finding illegal activity, uh, people trying to make money outside of Hypnospace. Uh, there's a currency within Hypnospace that cannot be redeemed for real money. People are trying to use something called Kappa Cash, allowing them to sell things on this uh, so you can, you can expose them, um, you get different cases, so it's just like, hey, these people contacted us with this, uh, copyright, it's a, it, so one of the main f first things you do in the game is you're finding copyright infringement of this fish called, uh, like, Gooper Gumshoe or something like that, and it's literally like a goldfish wearing, like, a, a Sherlock Holmes outfit, um, so you track down the, the majority of these you find are on this, like, first grade teacher's like splash page on the on the internet and i i'm not doing it justice to just simply describe this to you the visuals are so on point the music there is an extended soundtrack to this game there are original songs uh, and ads written for this game top to bottom they are so evocative of like even in the sound quality that they do to everything like the voices like anytime you fire up a video and it's someone trying to tutorialize something to you it fucking sounds like this and it's just perfect it's like it's just awful in the in the way it's meant to be uh so you find this fucking fish and you you basically copyright claim all these fish across her on her page uh, and then you can see she has, like, a, a a mood thing. I think she can update. And then, like, she gets very ornery. Like, well, since when is it illegal to share pictures of cartoons, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And you can actually copyright claim these shitty drawings that the children have, have actually made that barely look like the character, but you can still fucking copyright claim them. Um, there's stuff like that. There's uh, there there's stuff like, hey, find the Kappa Cash stuff. So find people trying to make money. Uh, illegally through Hypnospace, and you, there's very creative ways that you find this. You actually have to install uh, something called Professor Helper, and this is basically like a clippy thing that continuously pops up on your screen, and the only way to get rid of it is to go back to that website and pay to uninstall it. But while he pops up, he's like, hey, do you need some help? And if you say yes, he feeds you like a garbage ad, uh, like for like a, a year 2000 survival kit, or, or like fucking cat videos, and if on these ads you actually find the Kappa Cash thing, so it's a little uh, fun adventure game in that. If you're just kind of clicking around, you're reading, you're learning things. Uh, there's a bit of humor to everything, as I, I described in my Steam review of this game, that this game does nostalgia best without directly referencing anything. This is not Ready Player One. This isn't a game that's like, hey, look, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Hey, look, Ghostbusters. Remember the Ghostbusters? No. This is a game that's evoking things with the music, the writing, the way it looks, the way it's presented, that just puts you in that time without having to put something on the screen that you that is a direct reference, that is something that's pulling it back. Obviously, they've added things to the games now. There's like a Pokemon spoof in the game uh, that you can that you can uh, you know find them all throughout these web pages, and then there's a virtual pet you can get of one of them. Uh, so there is more direct references in terms of that. Uh, but what this game is selling, uh, if you're a child of, of Web 1.0, if you remember Instant Messenger and, and message boards and stuff like that, I fucking highly recommend this game. And it's a it's a pittance read. This game's like five bucks 
or, or, or more, or like maybe a little more than that. Uh, you can find it on sale from time to time. It's on Game Pass, I think. So if you've got Xbox and you want to actually use a controller to play this, which I don't recommend, you can check it out there. It's not a graphical powerhouse. The game looks indie. Uh, it, it looks like it looks as good as it needs to. It uses a lot of compressed images and real life stuff on the web pages that are pretty cool. The game also has a very creepy vibe. Uh, that's established with its music. It, I wouldn't call it a horror game, but there is something unsettling uh, about exploring this game and, and digging into some of its uh, its deeper pages and, and cool stuff. There's a lot of, of course, cryptic stuff as well that you can't find. You have to go off the beaten path or know what to search to find it. Uh, but that's all there. Hypnospace Outlaw. Big recommend. My wife has been playing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, a big, uh, a big game for Nick in the warehouse, of course. Uh, my wife's working her uh, her way through that now. Uh, we got a new TV on New Year's Eve. It got delivered. And by delivered, I mean it was left on our doorstep. And then someone rang a doorbell. I'm like, did someone ring the doorbell? And there was a TV there. Uh, so I'm rocking a girthy 55 inches uh, of, of 4K UHD uh, now. So we're, we're taking advantage of HDR on Horizon Zero Dawn. Which is maybe one of the top five games I recommend playing with HDR on. And for the first time ever, Reed... I heard the voice of my PS4 Pro. It's it well w- with HDR on, the thing just spools right up. Like w- as soon as you close the game or you go to play anything else or whatever, uh, the fan just becomes non-existent. But as soon as you click that HDR on, man, that thing just starts cooking. I guess 4K HDR looks really good, like really good. Um, played some Destiny 2 in that because I knew it had a HDR offering. Uh, even just playing things, of course, uh, j- just playing anything on this TV looks a fair bit better. So. It's reinvigorated uh, d- d- me to now, of course, get a, a next-gen console now that I have a fucking TV that can do something with it. Um, but yeah, I like. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, I have not replaced my TV in like 12 years. It was it was doing everything I needed it to. Uh, if it had broken, I would gladly have replaced it and called it the best TV I ever had. That TV is now in my bedroom uh, being being enjoyed. Uh, so anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about a little bit of news here before we get into Cyberpunk. Uh, Cyberpunk is in the news, as a matter of fact. Uh, of course, the modding community will do what the developers... Not that they can't or won't, but really that they don't have time to do. The uh, Cyberpunk developers are obviously dealing with uh, things big to small here. So things like adding a third-person mode while you're on foot. Or fixing the minimap uh, are things that the modern community on PC are taking taken to. Unfortunately, on consoles read, we do not have access to any of this. these hot fixes. You can finally install uh, more than one pussy option, uh, which is, come on now, P- pussy pack, 16 new pussies. It's not two to one, because the, the dicks, there's size, and then there's, <laughs> why can't I hold all these dick options? Epic Games, they bought them all for a new global HQ. The uh, makers of Fortnite uh, needed a new office space, and they're like, hey, derelict malls, that's the way to do it. They now have a nearly 1 million square foot uh, Carry Town Center. They bought it for $95 million, which is a pittance for them. Pittance is the new word of 2021. Uh, and that will be... Uh, that You have to assume they're putting in like some kind of dumbass amusement park in the middle of this thing, like a Knott's Berry Farm or something. Uh, but that's where we're at. If, you, uh, if you're if you a successful game publisher, just buy up a... Mo- if, hey, if it's either them or Amazon, right? So let's talk about Nier Automata. Yokotaro has uh, famously said in interviews that there are things in that game that... People, there, there is a major secret in that game that people have not found yet. Well, motherfucker, uh, we found it. 
Uh, the final secret in Nier Automata has been discovered, allowing you to skip straight to the final moments of the game. The code is only able to be used after defeating the prologue box boss marks. After talking to 9S, you'll need to place 2B between two sets of barrels in the empty boss room. While holding down R2 on the controller, you'll need to press up, down, up, right, left, square, circle, triangle, cross in that order. Uh, you'll need to keep 2B between the two barrels. Uh, but you can pause the game and use the cheat code to help you do so. Uh, after doing that, the game will skip to the post credit scene, as well as unlock the chapter select feature and some debugging features. Uh, unlocking these features normally require you to clear the multitude of near endings, uh, so this is a good time saver if you just want to replay certain bits of the game and have lost your save, I guess, for some reason. Or you've... Uh, well, yeah, when I say for some reason, I realize how stupid that is, and, like, you've lost your save because you fucking fed it to the ether or whatever the hell. Yes, so they built in a way uh, to quickly re-unlock uh, a full game file, essentially, aside from leveling up uh, your characters. Well, that was like uh, Kojima's like secret cutscene if everybody threw down their nukes and then someone just data-mined the video. And it was like, well, here it is. Uh, Nintendo buys Luigi's Mansion 3 Maker Next Level Games. They're out of Vancouver and they got a job. Uh, you might know them for their other games, uh, such as they did that Punch-Out game, and I think they also did that Metroid Federation Force game for 3DS that nobody wanted anything to do with. Uh, in Justice 2 headlines, uh, Xbox Game Pass's January lineup, in terms of PlayStation read, I believe you can go get Maneater for the PS5 now for free. That's the fucking Shark game. You don't want to customize a shark and eat the shit out of people? I don't know what... You've, you've, you've lost it. Come on, that sounds great. It's free. All it costs is a download. Not a whole lot there. Injustice 2 is a good game. That's a, that's a, that's a fine fighting game. A uh, good fashion game. You want to dress up your Batman. Uh, one last piece of news here. Breath of the Wild's uh, NPCs are actually me's. So apparently the coding for the NPCs in Breath of the Wild... Uh, uses the same attributes as the Miis did, like the Mii creator. So someone using, uh, you know, modification software is able to basically take the attributes for a Mii. So if you chose this haircut and these eyes and that nose and this mouth, uh, those are just number values. And they were using those same values to create uh, Breath of the Wild characters. And in doing so, uh, she was able to replicate a lot of Mii's, such as that one motherfucker from Wii Sports, uh, who's like the boss in the boxing thing. Uh, into Breath of the Wild characters and is now taking commissions. So if you want to make your me into a Breath of the Wild character, uh, there's something for you to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that she's charging for this, but uh, speaking of charging for things, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Reed, let's talk about everything in Cyberpunk we want to talk about that isn't the ending. Well, Reed, it happened. We talked so much shit about Cyberpunk... That a netrunner fucking got us. Disconnected your connection. Fucking fucked our shit all, all the way up. Unjacked uh, me. They, uh, they, they, if they can jack you, by God, they can unjack you. Yeah. Uh, so here we are, doing this again. I listened to what sounded like a passionate, one-way cell phone conversation about me talking to you about Cyberpunk without you being there. Obviously, people have listened to the episode up to this point, and now you drop out at some point. So with some creative editing, it'll be like you were there the whole time. <laughs> we'll just we'll just sound sample you uh, and just put you in there. Yeah. That sweet, sweet can. Uh, so to catch you up to speed on what we did talk about, and hopefully uh, this will help us re-jack in to the conversation... As it were. Well, after uh, we got jacked off. Yeah. <laughs> straight up getting jacked off. Uh, Reed beat the game. You talked about the multiple endings. That was last episode. And not the episode we lost. The episode before that. Uh, I found the 200 armor shoulder mod guy. Thank you. 
Uh, we got back to talking about the story. We talked about Night City, the atmosphere, the map, and the world, the, the soundtrack, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, character builds existing and succeeding in Cyberpunk 2077. We gave some good tips as to what mods you should pursue early on in the game. All right. Other than that, uh, so now I have all the prompts of what we talked about <laughs> in the lost episode. And uh, basically the lead into this was let's talk about everything in Cyberpunk that isn't the ending. Uh, Cyber CD Projekt Red has announced there's DLC to come. They are going to be expanding Night City. Uh, and the, the main crux of the conversation that we had lost was talking about how the game is structured around that main story. And now that you are playing a second playthrough and a third playthrough, as a matter of fact... Yes. Uh, you, you want to experience the content on the periphery. You, just like in Skyrim, don't want to trigger the dragons, so to speak. In this case, the dragons being Johnny on the chip in your head. Right. Um, uh, it's a, Right, that whole situation's a bit damned if you do, damned if you don't, when you think about it in hindsight. Because I always bitch about Skyrim and uh, for specifically not having a very tight narrative. But it's also its greatest strength is that you can just create a new character and you don't need to be the dragonborn or the savior of this earth. You can just be a fucking nobody in Skyrim going around doing merc work. Um, That's right. Si similarly, so Cyberpunk has a problem where I'm on my third playthrough and I've experienced this main story. But because so much of the content is hidden behind a wall of this main story requiring you to do it, uh, it's very tiring going through it especially when you get to the second act and the game really opens up with all the side jobs the gigs the cars to buy the new upgrades through the cyber uh, ripper docks all the new stores mm -hmm. to visit um it's a shame and i know there's going to be a mod that's created for this on pc at some point that's going to be called skip act one so you can actually get to uh the cr the body of content that this game offers um, but I don't find the main story in Cyberpunk so enjoyable that I'm happy to play through Act 1 every time. Um, well, it also loses loses a bit of its impact after you've experienced it. Right. That's not to sell it short, because it's great yeah. uh, for what it is. Um, but the, the, the major side quests in the game revolve around uh, the main story. So we're talking about the Rivers, Judy, Pan Am. Uh, there's that, like, political couple whose name I can never remember. You talked about them last time. The Paralysis. Uh, yeah, so you have all of those quest lines to mop up. You have you have the stuff with Rogue. You have the stuff with Johnny uh, that you get in Act Three, and uh, th those quests are all directly linked into w what happens at the end of the game, as per what you've told me. Yes. And uh, the issue then is you aren't experiencing a finality uh, to all of these character stories. So if you did everything. Your ending does not, unless you run through it a bunch of times and choose the other options, if I'm not mistaken, you are only seeing finality to certain characters' stories. Yes. And even then, uh, so like, s someone's left by the wayside, you went through this huge quest line with them, and it's left open-ended for that finale uh, that that could never come. Right. Um, it, so. There's a bit of that, um, and it's not necessarily a negative thing. It encourages you to explore all the other endings and like it's somewhat realistic like if you choose a definitive end to something in real life you're not going to get all the answers to everything else um <laughs> but the problem with this is that a lot of the side jobs like you just said panam judy river and stuff like that um they start to get really good when they end so, like, the Paralysis, for example, they have a very interesting quest chain. I know you haven't done the second quest for them yet, 
but supposedly like yeah. it's like there's a bunch of mystery uh there's a conspiracy like really cool interesting plot lines and you're like doing really hard detective work by yourself and it's like one of the best quests in the game in my opinion and when you get to the end of it they're just like oh thanks have a good one and you're like wait wait no aren't we like going to like explore this aren't we going to follow up on this and you're like no no like well, oh, I think I've I think I've done that second quest then. Like, I, the, the, you meet them in their apartment or whatever, and you basically debrief them, and then they just say goodbye. No, no, no. They There's ask more? you to okay. they ask you to investigate their apartment for something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't done that yet. Yeah, then. so you investigate their apartment. You do all this stuff. You find lots of secrets, lots of mysteries, and then you basically go <laughs> back, report it to them, and they're mysteries. like, and they're like, oh, thanks, have a good one. And you're like, wait, aren't I'm gonna, aren't I gonna solve this for you guys? Like, what's going on? And you don't. Similarly, for all the romance options, like Judy River, not Panam. Panam had a lot of quests for her. She has very good development, in my opinion, even though you don't like her. Um, uh, no, so we, we kind of lost my big rant on Panam. Uh, I have issues with Panam. I have issues with Panam's entire side quest in that game. Uh, like, So if you don't like Panam, which I don't, uh, her character seems very manipulative. She calls and whines to V on the fucking phone about her relationship with this nomadic group. Your relationship with Panam is simply, I, I need a thing from you. Uh, I need I need your help with the the whole shooting down of the whatnot in that mission. After that, your willingness to help Pan Am is based entirely on either your want for Eddie's or your want for Pan Am's sweet sweet can. What a ca- what a callback. Yeah. Uh, and I find there's a lot of forced emotional moments. So if you try to separate yourself from Pan Am, she's leaning against you. She's she's like whispering things to you. I'm just like it's it's very manipulative, and it gives me a very different view on that character. And we've kind of talked. You talked a little bit about how Judy is kind of that for you in the game. Um, not so much. My complaint with Judy and all the romances that aren't Pan Am is that their quest chains amount to about three quests in a row, and then you guys are already fucking. And then once you're done fucking, yeah, you can games. you can choose to enter a very superficial uh, relationship that means absolutely nothing. You can't like you can't like go out and hang out with them. And I know that's asking a lot <laughs> out of this kind of game to have like such intricate RPG aspects. So it's not it, because GTA Four had it right. And a game like Skyrim or Grand Theft Auto or like Fallout, like the people the romance will acknowledge that romance. It's not as easy to get that out of this game. Like, I romanced River, and he sent me a text once, and that was it. That's, like, the the most of interaction I've had with River since Girl we bye. entered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and similarly, just like the paralysis, their quest chains also get interesting when they end. It's like, I would like to see this relationship develop further. Why can't we have some quests um, where we're in a relationship and we also have to do Merc work? You know what I mean? Like, maybe River has another case that he needs help on. So sure. he, he calls me, yeah. like maybe... That, ju- could, that could be... Uh, that's what we were kind of talking about. It's just like outside of the main quest in this game, uh, you can play this game for, for 200 fucking hours. Yes, you can, but it equates to building your character and then knocking out a checklist. It, it's a faux RPG. Like, yeah. I, I hate to say it. And there's but even things that CD Projekt Red have done better in earlier games than they did in this games that are very similar. Um, you, right. You've done the quest with Rogue where you are possessed by Johnny, right? I, I did the... I didn't do the quest with Rogue. 
I did the quest before that where he get he gets the information from that stripper or whatever. Okay. Um, well, whatever. Yeah. There's a quest, in, a very life spoiler. There's a quest in the game where you let Johnny take control of your body to do something, couple, essentially. Yeah. Right? Um, yep. And it's very cinematic in Cyberpunk. You do not get a lot of, if not any, control over your actions besides some dialogue choices. On the flip side to this, however... You have a game, Witcher 3, that CD Projekt Red also made. In the Hearts of Stone DLC, they had a very similar mission to this. You have to fulfill this ghost's last wish, essentially. And he wants to party. So you let Geralt lets him take over his body, and then you are in control of this ghost who is in control of Geralt's body. And when you go to this party, you can do anything. You can get into boxing matches, chase a pig, play cards with dwarves. Fucking all the classic party thing. Yeah, flirt yeah. with every girl you see, dance, do all this shit. It wasn't like a passive railroad thing. And no. uh, there's so many other quests that are very similar to this in the amount of interactivity that you have in Witcher 3. And it's just very odd that you didn't get that level of it in, in Cyberpunk. Maybe it's because they wanted to focus on other things. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a shame that some of these quests... Like, like I said on the Lost content um the writing in this game is always on the verge of becoming fantastic and it just doesn't get over that hump in my opinion i think the closest it's got uh was in act three with your interactions with johnny um but there's several endings that if you if you're not directly doing what johnny wants you don't have a lot of interaction with them and since so much of the game is a is relying on you and johnny uh, it feels very weird when you don't end the game talking to Johnny all the time, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, we we talked about kind of the deeper the deeper aspects of there being no lasting consequences in this game for the main character. So, like, in Judy's storyline, uh, you, you help her basically take over the Clouds nightclub, and the person that you get in with at Clouds kind of goes into business for herself. And uh, long story short, you basically end up killing some really high-ranking Tiger Claw officials in this thing. And there, there's no consequences whatsoever. Uh, you're, you're spit back onto, onto the street, click the next quest, and keep going. Uh, the Tiger Claws, no matter how many thousands of them you kill in the streets, the side quests uh, never change. We talked about uh, how th- there seems to be factions in every borough. So every borough has its own gang, has its own fixer. However... Be- there, there's nothing gating this, and this is the the biggest uh, proof of there being cut content in this game in terms of like a drip, a drip feed of content. Is when you enter a new borough, you are contacted for like depending on your street cred, which I guess is what they put in in place of a faction system. Is you get called, hey, there's three cars for sale. Hey, I got this guy to kill. I got a laptop to find. I got a person who's kidnapped, and they're and they're just hitting you with these messages rather than I have a car for sale and I have one gig available for you. And then as you increase your rep with the, that gang, through right. However, means yeah. then then the other car becomes available. Then another gig becomes available. That doesn't happen. So as long as you have maxed out street cred, and you wander into a borough, you you are just inundated with these quests that don't amount much more again to than than a checklist. And that makes it feel, like I said, a faux RPG, like an Ubisoft game, like a Far Cry or a, uh, an Assassin's Creed. And that's not a knock against those games. Right, like Skyrim, it's a knock against, like Skyrim doesn't yes. have any hard faction system where if you keep doing jobs for the Imperials, the Stormcloaks will get mad at you. Right, uh, but there, there are consequences in that if you finish uh, a storyline, something in the world changes. It changes, yeah. even as minuscule as it could be. So, like, Witcher and Skyrim are kind of off to one side. They can function outside of their main story, whereas Cyberpunk, when you stop to smell the roses, when you start to 
not pursue the main quest when you lose that sense of urgency like you have on your subsequent playthroughs you realize that in terms of an open world rpg the game is pretty empty in that it is just go here kill these guys go here steal this thing sure you can approach it with different ways and different character builds but unless you are inhabiting that character of v and you're pushing that those stories forward uh, it, it, there, there's not a lot around the edges of this game that make you feel immersed or make you feel a part of it. Right. Yeah, I uh, would agree. And like th that's something different from Skyrim, where you can always put yourself in third-person view to check out your character. Uh, the mundane sure. tasks <laughs> are very immersive, weirdly enough, because it's just this fantasy world and you're doing everything. Whereas, and I said this last time, the advantage of a game like Ubisoft's games or Skyrim or Fallout is that they have dungeons. Uh, you can explore the map, you can find different hideouts, and you can go in there, and you'll spend like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you'll get a neat little story, kill some enemies, have some loot at the end. There may be some traps in the dungeon, some obstacles to right. otherwise go around, but there's none of that in Cyberpunk. The equivalent of that is the police missions, and they're just dudes standing in an open field. So there's not a lot of um, approachability to combat, because it can be over in 30 seconds if you want it to. There, there's a lack of... Uh, diversity there's a lack of variety in the quests like the story quests are great and and they go some places and they're and they're fine and they're fantastic at least the first time you experience them yeah but the the stuff you're doing to basically power level yourself before moving forward in the story because you don't want to uh is very rote it's fun at first because you're like look how powerful i'm getting at this point in the game versus the last time i played look at this new build this is a lot of fun uh but then where do you go from there and that's where the game i think feels unfinished it feels that there's nothing cohesively piecing all of this together uh it you are truly just spit out and whether you advance the story or do a bunch of side content to level yourself up before uh it, like it feels a bit shallow uh like i love the city i love exploring the city i like just doing activities in the city and that's a credit to this game uh and and all the the work put into actually building the world here uh, I just wish there was a little more variety in what I'm doing in the world or a variety in how I can approach the game. Because there isn't, currently. If they're doing DLC where they're going to flush out Night City and put a bunch of side quests that have nothing to do with the main quest, then so be it. Uh, this will be a great game to play a year from now, which was kind of the sentiment of what we've been saying here the whole time. Right. Um, right. But, yeah, but as as it stands, yeah. Yeah, you can't escape that main quest even when you romance a character at the end. You Like, your dialogue options are, I'm going to fucking die scene, by the way. Um, like you, you can't escape it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird game because obviously the writing is better than a Skyrim, but for some reason, even though Skyrim and this game follow the same kind of, uh, path in regards to their side content, for some reason Skyrim is just like easier to just hop into with a random character. I, man, I, I don't know how to put in a word. Cyberpunk's main story is its greatest strength and its greatest weakness it lends... I think its story structure is its greatest weakness. Yeah, I, yeah, it's I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to put into words because like Witcher Three is somewhat similar, but you're not dying the whole fucking game. Right. Even in Red Dead Two, uh, it, there isn't the same amount of urgency that there is. Like to to put. Uh, that level of urgency on the main story on the main character that that will always exist there's no point where you play cyberpunk 2077 and that isn't there that's an element in this game for as long as this game will exist right and it's an odd choice and we've been saying that since the beginning especially because 
all of the extra content that they do have in here, the body of content that can can last you 200 hours, is the most unurgent shit in the world. It's go help the cops, go buy a motorcycle, go buy three more motorcycles. Uh, it, it's really weird. Like I said, when you stop to actually look around and be like, what am I doing moment to moment in this game? Uh, that's a downside of the game. That's like it's fun to play. Everybody at one point or another when this game is is glitch free, uh, you know, go check it out. Experience the main story for yourself. There's some great stuff in there. Yeah, and we're about to pivot to some of that great stuff now. Uh, but oh, I one think more we've, thing. We've... One more thing. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, serious lack of uh, besides doors. What like what can you circumvent in this game using your high skill stats? I wish there was more things that you could do if you specialized in body like maybe you could fucking lift cars or like some shit like that but as it is it's like sometimes sometimes you get unique dialogue options that will give you the same result as the other dialogue options well sometimes it's like uh technical ability check you use your computer brain to open this door or sometimes like body check this is the same door except now you're just forcing it open with your bare arms yeah Uh, Uh, i wish there was more things to do with those skill stats like i love how in new vegas you can go up to a broken robot and fucking prim because the dude said, oh, yeah, we had a robot. He's down. And if you have enough science skill, you can repair him, and all of a sudden the town has a sheriff. Well, there, that's therein lies the rub in that the quest objectives, as we're talking about in Cyberpunk, are very simple. It's I like sneak and get a thing, sneak and kill these guys, or just kill these guys. And your character build is kind of based around that. So when you think about the high skill stuff, like, oh, having high technical ability or whatever, so I can get that, uh, you know, dismantle things and keep my mods, that's a reason to have a high high stat score there. Otherwise, there, when you're building your character, the, the point of having high skill stats is just that, to look on the perk tree and be like, oh, I need 12 for this, but I need 16 for that. Well, I'm going to push myself to 12 so I can get the heal when I make enemies bleed, but I won't... Uh, push that stat to 16 so I can go over here and get this. Um, it, again, uh, it just seems uh, kind of shallowy. Shall- it's it's shallow. It's it's a shallow character building thing in in what happens to the world afterwards. Like, if there were quests that required certain st- uh, stats, if there was a faction system and you needed a certain amount of technical ability to even, you know, talk to this fixer, he doesn't want anything to do with you if you, you can't do something, uh, then you can also work that into quests. Yeah. Where if, like, hey, this is a body-based quest, there are things in this quest that will pertain to your character build specifically. Right. That is something... Uh, that Elder Scrolls and Fallout games do have, and then you end up going through quests. You build a mage character in Skyrim, and then you end up doing the uh, the, the Champions Guild or something, where it's a bunch of sh- sword and board, yeehaw, warrior types. Well, now you're, you're coming at that from a completely different angle, using magic spells and, and high-level shit you've learned elsewhere, and the experience feels your own. Cyberpunk does not have that. Right, and there's something to be said that like it's not, like let's not pretend that Skyrim has more depth to its quests or anything than uh Cyberpunk. It's the perennial like it's the thing that games will be compared to like this forever. Like yeah. you can't you can't escape Skyrim. But the advantage to Skyrim is that you know going in all right like all the quests are going to amount to get the thing or kill the people. The advantage is is in 10 minutes I can be in Skyrim doing whatever the fuck I want. If I want to go do Dawnguard right away, the game lets me do that. The Negative about Cyberpunk is, all right, I want to start a new character. This new build seems fun. I'm fine with just killing random dudes. But you have to play 10 hours of content, essentially, before you can actually get to the point where the full game is open to you. 
the character building yep. and quest structure of this game is such that you'd want it available, all of it, as soon as possible. Yeah, for, for the variety. Like I said, you jumping right back into another character seemed like, you're like, oh, I never do this, but here I did. And I get it for the the power leveling in the first area sounds great. Like, that sounds like something that's fun that I, I might even want to do uh, when I wrap this game up, hopefully over this weekend here. Um, but... Yeah, when it comes to the quest and just like, I guess I have to sit, sit, sit through the... Sit through, even the fucking Bethesda games give you a save file right before the point of no return. So you get through the tutorial and you're just right. exiting the vault in Fallout oh, 4. And it, let, it, let, yeah. Like, let me tell you, Lee, uh, my third fucking playthrough and every time it tells me I have to go to Moxie's to do that brain dance fucking mission to watch Evelyn stroke your Nubu's dick. I, if I have to do that one more time, I'm never going to fucking play this game again because it drives me... If I have me to jerk off to this one more time... Yeah, it's like 30 minutes long, even if you're just spamming circle to skip all the cutscenes. There's no just, like, like fucking skip mission option, obviously. But, like, if you're just doing a brain... I fucking hate brain dances, god damn it. I, I wish they would just add in a skip brain dance, you played this shit, who gives a fuck? Like, it's, is there no new game plus option that, no, that like, affords you that? No, it's just like when you start a new game, you're playing like the old one. You can't skip full scenes. You're just spamming circle to skip dialogue. Especially if this is the third time that Dex is about to betray you. Like, like you're not immersing me anymore at this point. Like, another thing. So it kind of comes back to role playing and the lack of consequences too. Is that you're supposed to feel like this badass? You're supposed to feel like in any situation when people uh, come up to you to fuck with you. Uh, you, you can fuck them up. You can fuck them up right back. But there are a lot of times in this game where your player agency is taken away. Either you are uh, voluntarily being plugged into something. Uh, like with the Voodoo Boys, for example. There are two parts in that where it's just like... The guy asks, like goes and reaches for your hand. I, I like this I like this mission because it ended fucking awesome for me. But uh, that motherfucker goes to like grab your, your hand and grab your wire out of it. And you're like, no. And you have a bunch of, uh, you have a bunch of speech options... That basically say, like, hey, fuck you, no, don't do this, blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, you are forced to give him your hand. And lo and behold, just like the Dexter part that you're talking about, he installs a virus on you and tries to kill you during that mission. If I go back and play that mission, because I love it, I now know that. And there's no way for me not to allow him right. to install that virus. It's the exact same as Dex shooting you. And he's like, go wash your yes. face. And yeah. In my first playthrough, I'm like, I know this dude's going to fucking shoot me as soon as I walk out. This is stupid. So if you go do this Voodoo Boys mission late in the game, kind of like I did for what this mission is, and I'm super overpowered, it, like, things don't make sense. So there's a point after uh, we get, I get, like, fucked up by them, and you go back to, so you go into this crazy uh, shootout in a mall, it's great, in Pacifica there with the Voodoo Boys, uh, spoilers for the rest of the mission, you enter cyberspace uh, looking, looking for someone, and you have to, again voluntarily be led into this even though they just tried to kill you and you get back and you're like hey i'm alive and they're like oh the the scumbag is back and he's alive well i guess let's talk to him now and then you tell them about the chip and then they're going to help you with this chip i liked at least at the very end of this mission when you got what you needed out of the voodoo boys there is an option to cut your way through these fuckers and then that guy who took your hand in the first place and installed the virus you get to basically have a boss fight with them i don't know if you did the mission that way uh no i didn't but i'm definitely doing that next time uh, chopping up the voodoo boys is one of my favorite parts of cyberpunk <laughs> so far. Uh, I had a glitch happen because of just how it went down. So she's like, uh, this and that. Hey, uh, yeah, we're pretty much wrapping up here. And I'm like still sore about it and choosing the, the speech options where I'm just like kind of getting in her face about it. And she he, uh, basically the line came down to, uh, I'd rather to se I'd rather settle the score right now. And it says draw weapon. 
And I just fucking pull out my sword and cut off her head. And then my health bar fucked up where it was stuck at zero. And I couldn't tell if I was dying or I was immortal or I just couldn't see my health. So I started frantically with, you know, that cold blood perks, man. Cutting my way through all these voodoo boys, making my way to the front, murdering the shit out of this boss and getting outside and realizing the whole time I was low on health and very vulnerable. I just couldn't see what my health was. So I made it out of there one try by the skin of my teeth just by luck. And I'm like, that was great. A glitch factored into how cool this ended up being. Uh, but but there, the quest stuff like that is really bothersome to me. Skyrim? I hate to keep going back to Skyrim, I know, I know. but there are a lot of quests in Skyrim where you can choose a speech option and you fail the quest and it moves on. But for that character, if that was the decision that made sense... So, like, there's a Markarth one where you're, like, investigating something and these guys are going to jump you. You can choose not to go there. There are other ways to go about the quest that, sure, makes it so you don't get to progress the quest in that particular case. But guess what? You're also the smartest motherfucker in the world that didn't get jumped from behind. Uh, and, and that... That, I think, will hurt subsequent playthroughs of this game. You have to see where they're going with it. Like we said, they have DLC planned. Right. Something's coming down the tube, Reed. Yeah, so. it's, it's an open-world game with a single-player story, and I think that's the problem here. Um, it's, yeah, it's fucking weird. It's, like, <laughs> there's, there's something to be said about having a voice protagonist. Uh, it's the reason why I'm not a big fan of Fallout 4. Um, it constantly feels like my character is being role played for me when I'm when everything in this game is trying to tell me that it's an open world RPG. Right. It's not. That's, s- that's exactly it. Yeah. It's <laughs> you've nailed it. It's not so bad in Cyberpunk because I really like V. I think they're a fun character. This it just doesn't seem like a character I made. Whereas in Skyrim, I, there is to a degree a level of freedom where my character can have a somewhat consistent personality based on my choices, and their voice in the head is my voice, so they have their own individual individualism. Um, right. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, it's weird, because this isn't... This isn't an RPG like Skyrim, because, like I said, it's a single-player story for an, for an open-world game. Uh, I Yeah, I can't put my finger on it. It's just... Uh, I think, it's Deus Ex. Yeah, yeah it's like Deus Ex... <laughs> But Deus Ex is an open world and do whatever you want. There's certain side quests and there's some areas you can explore, but it never, for longer than two hours, goes away from that main story. It feels more like a single-player game than it does an open world do-what-you-want game. Definitely. And and again, we're criticizing the game for that only because it has the trappings of the open world game with all these activities and things. And the character building, especially. Right, yeah. So it's... It's hard to say if this game perhaps lacked a more complete vision or literally the game is not complete. Right, like a game... As far as we know, everything we're complaining about was intended to be wrapped up. Like, you look at Witcher 3 and then you look at this game, you see that they are just not the same. You look at Witcher 3 and then you look at this and you're like, well, it's... Sure, everybody expected they would bring all those Witcher 3 bells and whistles into this game and and we didn't get them. Okay, well, we weren't necessarily promised a lot of that stuff, but you also have to consider why would someone who has made Witcher 3 and, and is capable of that wouldn't have tried to also execute right. that and here. The other difference is, Lee, is that in Witcher 3, Geralt is always going to be using two swords and a little bit of magic, and like that's it. Your character in Cyberpunk can differ greatly between melee, blunt, and blade. You have submachine guns, pistols, shotguns, light machine guns, power assault rifles. You have mantis blades, gorilla arms, rocket launchers. Uh, it's 
It's so what is the so we we have to ask ourselves the advantage of making a voiced protagonist. Obviously, if you're telling a story, uh, you can get a more emotional performance yes. out of the main character uh, if you voice them right. rather than just have it be text dialogue, right? Yeah, that's absolutely the advantage is that you get a more emotional pull into the story. I think it works better in Witcher 3, like I said, because Geralt never really feels like they're changing. Whereas in Cyberpunk, they make you want to feel like you have different Vs because you can change their appearance and you can change their build. But at the end of the day, they're all going to be the same character experiencing the same story. It works in Witcher 3 because everything in the game tells you that and you're expecting that, not so much in Cyberpunk. Um, so yeah, it's weird. It's yeah, fucking. It's it's a weird weird situation. I can't get the right words out for it. <laughs> yeah, it's like we we ate a whole pizza and the pizza didn't have sauce on it, and we're sitting there being like, something's fucking wrong with this pizza. Like it's and really I can't quite put good. My, it's just like yeah, like the pizza's great and I'm full, but uh, something was what the fuck is missing on this fucking pizza? Uh, let's end it on a positive note today. Uh, cause I feel like we just dragged out our last conversation into a more bitching and whining right. conversation. And it's not like, it's not a last of us part two where we say the narrative is a total fail and all of this stuff so is broken. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just pe- peculiar is a good word. Right. Uh, so I got to the, the quest where, uh, basically, you know, it's, it's an open spoiler conversation at this point. People should realize that. Uh, but basically Johnny in act three, uh, like you, you learn more about Johnny. Uh, you, you learn some of why he did what he did in Arasaka Tower. Uh, he, he kind of endears himself to you, and in, in unless Johnny is lying, he has really softened. Uh, he he's he has a character arc in this game that I think is very well done. So he basically asks you, as we talked about earlier, uh, to take over your body so he can convince Rogue uh, to do something, and that something is to uh, basically. Get, get Adam Smasher to pay his debts. This guy who has disappeared for years, Adam Smasher, suddenly doing private security for Arasaka. He's resurfaced. Let's go fucking take this guy out. Uh, so there's a scene after uh, that particular mission where Johnny learns he was kind of... Er- his body, after being soul-killered, was unceremoniously kind of dropped in a dump. Not unlike yours was, except you were a nobody who got in over their head and got shot in the face, rightfully so, by Dexter Deshaun. Johnny was a fucking legend of Night City, was in this band, was this fucking, up, you know, this this terrorist, was this guy in the news. Everybody knew Johnny Silverhand, yeah. yet suffered the same fate as you, uh, being tossed into the garbage here. So there, philosophically, Johnny is the thing that brings you back to life and also subsequently brings Johnny back to life. You, you both suffered this same fate, and here you are again, uh, he's kind of, you know, he says, like, oh, I, I would expect there to have been a marker or something. Like, he's not expecting a mausoleum f- with with crying women and uh, and uh, and flowers 50 years after his death. But literally, it's a fridge door uh, in a dump yeah. <laughs> where, where Johnny it, is, is, he, is decomposing. Like, he more or less says, he's like, you know, I've thought I, for these last 50 years, I had a lot of friends who cared about me. But I realized this whole time I've been a big piece of shit and no one likes me. Through every through talking through you to everybody, I realized how much of a fucking tool I've been, uh, and it's great. And there's a shame like there isn't an absolute fuck ton more of this in the game. This level of attention to character development, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, it's, it's his Christmas Carol moment. It's Scrooge going into the future and seeing his own grave and then having the change of heart. Right, right? like Panam doesn't begin her quest line being like, fuck the Aldecados, and then by the end she's like, no, nah, you know what, I love the Aldecados. She always loved the Aldecados, she just didn't like Saul. Saul is the one that changed, not Panam. Um, and that's probably where the fault you're seeing in that quest line, honestly, when I say it in hindsight, is that... It's Panam's questline, but she's not the one with the character arc. It's it's Saul. Uh, the- there's like there's stuff with Panam where she's basically asking you to help her, and if you are helping her out of the goodness of your heart, if you're helping her because you are a friend of Panam and it's a mutual relationship, then you go on with the the top two text options and you move on. If you start to question Panam, if she's like, "Yeah, I we're gonna go steal a fucking tank," and you're like, "Okay," and she's like, "Yeah, so saddle up," and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." I'm getting fucking paid about this, right? And then she's she's put out. Then her character, like I dislike actively dislike her character for that. In that I'm in it for the I'm a merc. I'm in it for the money or weapons or what have you. Like gimme, 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 and then I'll help you. Uh, the the part where she where the game even assumes that oh you would just help Panam because she's a character in this video game. Uh, from a role-playing point of view, just, like, makes me actively dislike right. her. Right, Judy... Especially if you're yeah. a corporal character. Like, wouldn't that be yes. totally in line with what your character was set out to be as? Right. Just to make money. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, we gotta start to wrap it up here. I'm gonna try to beat this game this weekend, Reed. I don't know. We'll see what the fuck happens. But, uh, bring a list of your favorite moments of Cyberpunk, I guess. We'll talk about the ending. And then perhaps... Uh, set this like like so many hobbits and elves at the end of uh, Lord of the Rings. Set this uh, a sail on a on a ship and maybe come back to visit it during regular hours during our podcast uh, to talk about DLC or whatever subsequent things they add to this game. So thank you for re-recording with me today, Reed. Uh, you can hit us up at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. Leatisberg.com is my email address. Send us questions, topics, whatever you want. If it's interesting, we will feature it here. Uh, for your host this week, myself, Lee, and for Reed. Thanks for signing up. We'll talk to you again next week.